Welcome to Truth Well Spoken, the official podcast for McCann Health and an opportunity to connect across disciplines, companies, and countries in our mutual pursuit of endless truth seeking. I'm your host, Cassidy Cardone, and for episode 13, I am speaking with Rashawn Ranama, SVP of Commercial and Public Health Strategy at McCann Health. Rashawn has graciously accepted our invitation to discuss the intersection of public and commercial health performative optics, and health equity. Rashawn, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Cassidy, for that introduction. And I'm thrilled for hopefully what will be a vivacious conversation today. Yes, we are about to dive into a topic, Rashawn, that I think you and I personally both find ourselves coming back to in seemingly every meeting. So it's exciting to formally have some time set aside to talk with you about this. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Rashawn, for those listening who don't know you personally, could you just start by giving us a bit of background on yourself and touch a little bit on your expertise and interests that tie into our topic today? Sure. So I'm going to take us back a little bit. I really started my career in uh, in healthcare being very interested in the different sectors. So whether that was corporate, academic, nonprofit, governmental, and really the interplay of those different sectors and the distinct but complementary role that they each played. And eventually over time, that morphed into this kind of paradigm of how these different sectors and therefore the organizations within them can play a role in purpose, but also profit. Um, another way of kind of thinking about it is, is the nexus of business and society. And so that kind of ladders up into this concept that really has been a guiding principle for me of shared value, uh, you know, not only how to do to do well, but also to do good. And there's this quote by the economist Michael Porter and Mark Kramer that really kind of stands by my belief, which they purported that the purpose of a corporation, or I'd argue actually any organization, really must be to create shared value, identifying and expanding the connections between societal and economic progress. So what I've been fortunate to do is using the backdrop of this paradigm, in a sense, curate my role here at McCann Health to do exactly that. And the way I kind of see that is shared value is, in my role, the intersection of public health and commercial health strategy. So that's uh, that's a little bit about how I've been able to design, very fortunately, my own role here within the organization. That's great. And how would you, you know, what made you th- see a, a need for this role within the McCann Health Network specifically? Good question. So, you know, our clients that typically within McCann Health has been life sciences companies, pharmaceutical, biotech, digital health. And and I think we were very ingrained within the commercial health space, but we also as an organization are very human centric as well too. I think we have a lot of empathy. We care a lot about humans and their experiences and beyond just what the disease is. And so that underlying or undercurrent of, uh, of this propensity kind of exists within the organization. And what I did kind of coming with my personal background really pulled those two different pieces of it together. We also, of course, have a public health organization within McCann Health. So it kind of was a really natural fit to pull these different pieces of it together and, again, almost curate my role. Yeah, that's amazing. It's awesome to see seemingly very 
different and almost contradictory like industries come together and, and how you've kind of pulled that together into a role. And I love that word human centric that you just mentioned. So I definitely want to come back to that. Fantastic. Um, in speak and thinking a little bit about public health and, and just stepping taking a step back there, we know that this term has certainly become a bit of a buzzword lately in the media, given the public health crisis that we're all living through. But I think it's less talked about on the commercial healthcare marketing side. So for those of us who work on commercial healthcare products, how would you define public health? So for anyone working in the commercial space or just anyone new to the term? Sure. So hang with me for a second, because this is going to be a little bit of a, of a description here. But I, I want to just take us back agnostic of commercial health. Let's just kind of define what public health is, because I think there's a lot of misconceptions about that. In fact, a lot of times I've heard people on the commercial side say, well, what is it? Is it altruism? Is it for developing countries? Isn't it referring to government responsibility since technically it's about the public? Or is it just vaccines? Or is it nonprofit work in healthcare? So there's a lot of different misunderstandings around it. But just to ground ourselves in a, in a more formal definition that stems from about a century ago, there was a leading figure in the modern study of public health, and his name was Charles Edward Amory Winslow which is the basis of the definition we use mostly today, and it's furthered by the World Health Organization. I'm going to just read it verbatim, which is, it's the art, because it's a nice definition, it's the art and science of preventing disease, prolonging life, and promoting health through the organized efforts of society, organizations, public and private communities, and individuals. And it focuses on the entire spectrum of health and well-being, not only the eradication of particular diseases, and it aims to provide maximum benefit for the largest number of people. So if you think about that, <clears throat> in some ways that is already entrenched within the work that we do within the commercial space, but we just don't talk about it. We don't amplify its role. It's kind of not even an afterthought, it's just not a thought at all. <laughs> so what we can do is really lean into public health as this concept of how it eliminates the reduction of, of disease solely to clinical etiology. And instead what it does is that it really gives a comprehensive lens of whole person care. This term that uh, I really like to use is how do we look at someone's health in their entirety in this 360 way that accounts for all of the different factors as to why someone uh, contracts a disease or develops a disease and somebody else doesn't. So depending on who they are, where they live, who they interact with, what they eat, how much they exercise, uh, and, and all of the kind of environmental factors around that person. So what's interesting is that, you know, when we think about public health and its definition and then the misconceptions around it, uniquely with the pervasive outbreak of COVID-19 and the pandemic, we've really seen the critical functions and the essential role that public health has and in some ways continues to play um, in in this kind of uh, period that we're in right now. It's been put on a spotlight on the world stage and, and people now all of a sudden are exposed to it more than ever before. Um, everything from the power of epidemiology to policy to healthcare communications uh, related to public health. But at the same time, what has happened is that the pandemic, almost as a stress test, it's really exposed the vulnerabilities of the healthcare system, the underinvestment that we've made in basic healthcare infrastructure. If you kind of think about some of the um, the daily news headlines we see about healthcare systems kind of breaking on their back and not having staff shortages, 
the kind of marginal focus we put so far in public health. It's had a very invisible role. But the crisis has also kind of created this really fertile ground, much needed transformation. We're at this kind of unique moment for us to say, how do we take an introspective look at the healthcare system and using public health really rehaul it? And that's where the work of commercial health in the form of life sciences companies come in. Again, those that are pharmaceuticals, biotechnology, digital health, and the like, they're critical business leaders. And they have this really profound opportunity to be visionary in reshaping and transforming modern healthcare by further leaning into public health as we kind of see this crisis. So I, I did give a little bit of a note that it was going to be a longer description, but I thought it was important <laughs> to, to get into all of the specifics of it because, again, it is, it is a bit of a misunderstood topic. Yeah, no, I think that's really helpful. I think, you know, from hearing that definition that you started with on public health and what it is and what it isn't, um, and then that really kind of puts into context how that comes into play with the commercial world. So that that was really helpful. And I think what, what I heard, too, in that definition was this combination of art and science. And I, I thought that was really nice, even though yes. that definition is referring to public health. I mean, what better way to describe the healthcare marketing industry. So I thought that was really interesting. Exactly. So it is, a, that, it is a beautiful definition. That's right. It is. Yeah. Great find. And, and thank you for bringing that in. Um, so as we're now starting to, and as you kind of begin to transition us to this commercial health world, how have you started to see in your role, how public health and commercial health can work in harmony? Because as I mentioned earlier, I think initially it seems like public health and commercial health are almost opposing forces on the surface before you really get to the root of it and see how they're connected and how you just shared. Sure. So they could be contradictory forces, but what they share in common is this focus on on centricity of the person, right? So whether in the commercial speak, we kind of use the integrated customer centricity models or whether or not we use in public health whole person care, for instance, I think the essence of it really remains the same in terms of we need to go back to for whom we're working for, right? Who's at the center of this and um, in using that lens. So let me just kind of give another example. So traditionally, when you think about commercially, the, when you want to introduce a new asset into market, the value equation for that had been limited to you need to demonstrate an unmet clinical need and you need to have an economic rationale for coming into market. Um, and that's really what you're competing on back in the day. Now, the world has expanded and we know that we also need to expand that value equation to other drivers, other kind of differentiators. And if we do that by looking beyond, again, just disease etiology or the unmet clinical need and broaden that set of what we're defining as part of a brand or its value, such as experiential drivers or others that we can pull from public health, then that also broadens the scope of competitive differentiation. You can start talking about not just solving a brand problem, you can start solving a human problem. And so one, there's a couple of different paradigms that I like to kind of think about in terms of this, which is, you know, being in the business of care versus the business of drugs or being human centric versus being product centric or solving problems versus selling drugs. So a lot of times when we work with commercial clients, you know, they're looking to 
get their innovative brand or drug or asset into market. They do all the kind of value proposition work that needs to position them. And they're focused on the lens of their product. But their product lives within a broader complex ecosystem of different customer sets, of the person who's diagnosed with the disease and all of the kind of confluence of factors around them. But oftentimes you don't take that seriously into consideration, or if we do, if it's an afterthought. And what public health does alongside commercial health is start to align those different uh, incentives. So you can pull in public health, not just because it's the right thing to do, and that's because of the customer needs, but also there is a commercialization opportunity there as well, too. That's great. I think what you said that was really interesting, too, is pulling in the idea of the human problem and the brand problem. Do you Could you possibly share an example of what a brand problem might look like versus a customer problem? One of the examples I like to use a lot is, say you have an asset that's coming into market that is for a particular chronic condition, right? And you are doing everything you can to commercialize that particular drug for a chronic condition. Um, let's say diabetes. All right. So you're, you're focused on that. Now that's, that's good for your brand. Everything, all the surround sound around it in terms of, uh, you know, the unmet need and the economic rationale and the experiential kind of drivers behind it. But the person who has diabetes may also have four other comorbidities. They may have heart disease. They may have other conditions beyond the diabetes that, requires the company to take a look at the human problem, which is, okay, is there polypharmacy going on? How is my care being coordinated? How do I know that my, my care team is talking amongst themselves and that they um, you know, know the, the different drugs and the different disease management needs I have? That is solving a human problem. So that's the difference there. Just kind of, again, just an example off the top of my head, which is, a brand problem which comes in thinking, thinking about their singular asset and how to get a diabetes drug to market versus what the actual human problem is, is yes, it's the diabetes drug, but it's also the surround sound of how does that interface with perhaps the comorbidities that a patient may have that also needs to be taken into consideration. That's that's super helpful. I think when we whenever we use that, um, almost this criteria to push ourselves, like are we thinking of the brand problem, the business problem, or are we truly thinking about that customer, the human problem? I think, you know, this, despite, in, in addition to your point of that being the right thing to do, it also always takes us into a more interesting place emotionally, creatively. And I think all the work that follows definitely um, is always just so much more rich when we're focused on that customer problem. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, while I kind of went on the topic of multiple morbidities or comorbidities, because it is a favorite topic of mine to talk to, I will say I'm quite surprised how overlooked it is, um, at least in the work that I've done. Um, you know, up until the pandemic, there was kind of a school that was focused on infectious disease, but we know that most pharmaceuticals were focused on chronic conditions, non-communicable disease, and increasingly more rare, rare and rare conditions. And so interestingly, when we think about multiple morbidities, I'll just take the U.S. specifically as an example, you know, 12% of Americans 
have five or more morbidities. And the common ones, they link back to heart disease, like I was mentioning earlier, cancer, chronic lung disease, Alzheimer's, diabetes, chronic kidney disease, which many people have. But again, you're not kind of looking at things in a 360 view. And that's, that, that's just from the epidemiological standpoint. When you think about it from an extend, expenditure standpoint, that's about 71% of all healthcare spending is spent toward Americans with multiple morbidities, kind of capping up to about $3.3 trillion a year. So this is a huge problem. People are living longer, may have more disease, and these diseases are complex and they play off of each other. But it's very rare to have someone kind of take a top line look at that, um, whether it's from the healthcare system perspective or whether it's the clients that we work with in terms of, you know, pharma or biotech or uh, digital health companies kind of looking at that holistic picture. And so what happens is that you as a patient are in some ways kind of shouldering the burden or the onus of, of managing your own care. And now if you happen to you know, not be savvy at navigating the healthcare system, or if you may have language barriers or uh, or other types of barriers that preclude you from being savvy at that, well, then your care starts kind of regressing and falling through the cracks. So, you know, just a, a sidebar note here, I don't want to go too stray, but, but I think multiple morbidities is actually a huge topic that also relates, again, to this intersection of commercial and public health that's, that's overlooked, um, and, it, and it needs to kind of be brought to the forefront. Yeah, that's interesting. It's almost like we have to zoom out and get that 360 view of everything that a patient or a consumer or even an HCP is experiencing, whether it's those comorbidities, broader challenges that are impacting them on a society level or other, and then also zooming in to those individual challenges and thinking about each person and, and individual barriers they might be facing in their day-to-day -day challenges. That's exactly right. Right. System levels thinking as yeah. well as on an individual personalized basis as well, too. And we're starting to get into this topic, I think, when we're we're thinking about again, you know, taking that broader look at everything, this, you know, the systemic view, and then also on the personal level, when we look at uh, healthcare marketing and, and really the responsibility to play here. I think what comes to mind is is now to talk about health equity. So I wonder if you could take us through a little bit of, of what health equity means and and what is the responsibility from our industry? Sure, absolutely. So health equity is another favorite topic of mine to to talk about. And anyone who's who's McLean and I knows that because I talk about it all the time. Um, but just again, similar to earlier in our conversation, let's just level set with definitions here. So we're all kind of speaking the same language. And this time I'll quote the CDC. So health equity is basically achieved when each and every person really has the opportunity to quote unquote, attain his or her full health potential. And that no one is disadvantaged from achieving this potential because of social position or other socially determined circumstances. And one of the key ways of achieving health equity is really by addressing social determinants of health. This has become like a buzzword over the past couple of years, just because of the different crises we've collectively gone through. And arguably, I would add on top of social determinants of health, um, also political determinants of health, we've seen that our healthcare has been hugely polarized based on political affiliation and 
constructs. And so uh, that's another way that we need to kind of think about it. So, you know, just again, to level set in terms of definition, that's what we mean by health equity. Now, to your point around, you know, our, our work and marketing and um, in the companies that we interface with, it's been interesting to see as a result of, in some ways, the convergence of both the COVID-19 crisis as well as the racial crisis that many companies across all industries, not just healthcare, but all industries have started to adopt this um, acute business focus on addressing inequities, disparities, diversity, and inclusion. Some companies, those such as the ones that we work with in life sciences, are, are conveying inclusion um, and addressing these needs by changing their hiring practices or reevaluating vendors, establishing new partnerships, forming committees, and so on and so forth. But the way that we've seen it a little bit more proximate to our realm has been this almost rightful integration of addressing health disparities and, and equities as part of business planning exercises. So, you know, most companies go through an annual or biannual exercise of looking at their strategy holistically, whether it's for an asset or for a portfolio or a franchise or what have you, and then seeing how their strategy kind of stacks up and how they need to nuance it or change it. So what's happened that I've kind of observed in the past year or two is with, again, the COVID-19 and racial crises, um, this kind of zeroed in focus on health equity. But what's transpired is that while it's well-intentioned, you know, there's some corporate mandate that seems to come from the top that says that we need to address health equity or inequities and disparities within our business plan. Then when it gets trickled down to the team, the team is oftentimes not equipped with the proper knowledge, training, or tools to know how to appropriately and meaningfully address health equity as part of their business strategy or marketing plans. So just to kind of give a rather crass example, you know, the common perception is that, well, health equity can simply be achieved by translating a brochure into a different mm -hmm. language or placing the visuals of someone from a different ethnicity on a website. And while these are, of course, valid multicultural marketing ideas, it's not addressing health equity. It's their table stakes. These are kind of safe measures that should be the baseline of any work that we do. But what gets to addressing health equity is really digging in deeper and saying, all right, such and such population, what are the experiences that they have in terms of stigma or discrimination or mistrust within the healthcare ecosystem that precludes them from engaging with it and really getting that optimal care? So, so that's kind of a little bit, again, of an approximate example. And again, through no fault of, I think, the people who are in the position to address health equity as part of business planning. But it's something that, again, well-intentioned, but I think the execution of some of those intentions has fallen short. And there are some, there are some consequences when it falls short like that. Yeah, and I think that that definitely goes back to what you were mentioning earlier around thinking of that business problem, which in this, you know, in this topic that we're, we've moved on to now is about checking that box when it comes to multicultural marketing or just thinking about checking that diversity and inclusion box. But, you know, to your point of actually when we drill down to it and consider the those individual customers and who's really experiencing those inequities, it could take a totally different path. That's right. 
Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, if we kind of shortchange the conversation or we evade these deeply important issues because they feel uncomfortable, then mm-hmm. companies open themselves up to the risk of not upholding their values. We know that our companies that we work with really uphold, they, they seek to uphold their credo and their values and their mission statements. And this is really a, an opportunity when you're kind of met with a crisis that forces you to activate right on those values that you put together as an organization um, to do so. And if we shortchange them, then it starts to potentially be perceived as something I like to call performative optics, which is, all right, are you really doing it because you care about this issue or are you doing it because it's the it's the it's the optical thing to do um, and almost like check the box? Right. And and what, from your perspective, is the harm in, you know, leaning into perform lead or I would I should say leading with performative optics versus leading with authenticity. So, what is the harm in that to the pharma industry, and and what is the risk of leading with that lens rather than that authentic and with the intention of furthering health equity? Sure, I mean. Your customers are smart. And I think especially in today's very connected world, and especially where people have an eye on brands and organizations and how they show up to the marketplace, you know, when something feels like it's a performative optic and and it's disingenuous, it comes across. And in fact, there can be backlash. And we know this from different examples within healthcare or even outside of healthcare, that you're just kind of almost taking advantage or using a moment or a crisis or a cause to bend it to your profitable or commercial perspective and you're not truly embracing what the values are so so that's kind of the harm in it and then in that case you know your brand can suffer from reputational perception issues or it could you know go all the way down to affecting your sales or you know be boycotted or what have you so it's it's actually quite damaging now, if you do it correctly, however, and you do it with authenticity and conviction and determination, and you lead with humility and going in and truly taking the time to listen, to learn from customers, to embrace uncomfortable conversations, to champion change, then you're building trust, you're building a partnership, and you're showing up as a brand that has a very different kind of space within the market than those that leverage performative optics. And I should say, you know, there are companies that we work with that have gotten it right. And it takes someone with a vision and being bold and championing that, you know, we, we really need to tackle health equity. There is an issue here. And again, not only is it the right thing to do, but also you realize that when you address the right thing to do, oftentimes it's actually met with greater commercial success as well, too. So that's that's a little bit of you know, the the pros and cons, if you will, of going the route of performative optics versus not. Right. So tying in that purpose and profit that you were mentioning earlier. Exactly. Exactly. That's right. So we've talked about a lot of today around, of course, public health, how commercial health ties in to public health, as well as health equity, corporate responsibility. And we talked a lot about the challenges today that industries face and and kind of the perspective that we ideally should be taking when addressing these topics. I'm 
curious what you're most excited about with this topic. I mean, it seems like there's a lot of opportunity for for brands to really shine and to your point, have that that bold transformation. Absolutely. I mean, again, I think if you take a look when the pandemic was first happening, I kind of adopted this thinking kind of early on that we're in the middle of a crisis, but a crisis is also an opportunity for us to really rethink uh, our world. And then how do we want to transform it? And I actually wrote an article, it was about a year and a half ago or so, that used one of the early pandemics of all time, um, the cholera, that actually stimulated like a big change in public health in the sanitary world. Um, And I kind of see this like fast forward, you know, 100 plus whatever years that we're in the same position. So how can we, again, use the learnings from this crisis to show up differently, to kind of build more resilient healthcare systems that requires partnership from all different sectors, that requires us to kind of think about purpose and profit really at the heart of what we do and how different disciplines that traditionally may have not understood each other or dismissed each other kind of partner together um, really within public health and commercial health. I'll give you one more example. And what kind of makes me to your question like excited is that And this is just like another concrete example of how these two concepts are actually not that dissimilar is personalization in healthcare. So for years now, you know, we know in the commercial side of healthcare, especially with the increasing focus on rare diseases I mentioned earlier, we're seeing more proclivity toward personalization. And a lot of times we say personalization, we talk about like precision medicine clinically, but I would argue that that precision or that personalization can also be extended to precision services, interactions, and communication, really all the different touch points across the care continuum. Now, if I flip that on its head, you know, that was the commercial perspective. I alluded to social determinants of health earlier from a public health perspective. And really, social determinants of health is simply another opportunity at driving personalization, really meeting the person where they are and recognizing their needs for engagement and support that's requiring customization. So, For instance, it could be something, and this is like what I would advise, like, you know, the teams that we work with, you can't just have like a single approach or message or outreach or what have you. For example, you know, an older male who lives in rural America may only accept a healthcare message that's delivered like by his pastor versus a younger female in an urban setting may only accept the same message if delivered like via social media platforms. Totally two different people, different social determinants of health. But if we think about this kind of personalization and precision model, that's where the two of these kind of intersect really at the heart of public health and commercial health. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited in finding, that was just an example, but excited in finding where the common ground is, where we can bring these two seemingly conflicting disciplines together, again, with the backdrop of shared value of public health, commercial health, and purpose and profit for business and society. Well, you've gotten me excited about this. This has been incredibly (laughs) insightful. And it's so good to just hear, you know, even as you just kind of mentioned, the ways that we as marketers can really approach this topic and make sure that we're really doing the right thing, but also doing the best for our brand. So That's that's, that's fantastic. We hear that you're working on a thought leadership piece on this topic. What else can we expect from that article? 
Fantastic. Well, yes, there is a piece I've been working on. I've been ruminating on it for a while, um, but it's it's uh, kind of ready to it's it's baked enough, shall we say, and it's ready to go out there into the ether. Um, but it's very much along the lines of what we talked about, and I get a little bit more into talking about the role of crises and uh, and this concept of weiji, this Chinese term that really teaches us that in crisis lies opportunity, and therefore then sets the stage to a lot of what we talked about with. Uh, the convergence of these crises and the impact that they have on business and how it can be a bold opportunity for transformation or performative optics. So uh, really excited to kind of have this out there soon. It's, it's a further elaboration in, in more detail of a lot of what we talked about today. Um, and anyone who knows me, I talk about this a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but we love it. We're smarter every day because of it. <laughs> oh, so Cassidy. Very excited to read that future piece. Well, Rashawn, as always, it has been such a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. And who knows, maybe we'll see you back sometime because we know we only scratched the surface today. <laughs> Would love to. Would love to be back on and thanks so much for this uh, conversation. I think we delivered on it being vivacious, as I said at the beginning. So <laughs> looking forward to to the next one as well. Thank you. I think so, too. That's all we've got for today. You can subscribe to Truth Well Spoken on your podcast network of choice and let us know what you'd like to hear on a future episode by emailing podcast at mccannhealth.com. My fellow podcast producers are Jennifer Rivera, Abby Daly, and Andy Fontana. Until next time, I'm Cassidy Cardone, and this has been Truth Well Spoken. Truth Well Spoken.